Hey, this episode of Bass Freaks is brought to you by MXR Bass Innovations. MXR has been a leader in guitar effects for over 45 years. MXR Bass Innovations creates bass effects pedals from the ground up, each one specifically designed for bass players by bass players. Not repurposed guitar pedals, but their overdrive, fuzz, EQ, preamp DI, octave, distortion, compressor, or chorus, these tried and true stomp boxes are designed by Dunlop's award-winning team of bassists and engineers. Go to jimdunlop.com and check out MXR Bass Innovations for your bass effects. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Dunlop Presents Bass Freaks. The Bass Freaks podcast is a place to gain some insight and inspiration as well as learn a little something about some truly amazing bass players. I'm your host, Josh Paul, and today we welcome John Myung to the show. Now, John is a founding member and bassist for the band Dream Theater, one of the most influential prog rock bands in history, in my opinion. He, along with John Petrucci and Mike Portnoy, are the original members who met while attending Berklee School of Music. Dream Theater has since gone on to sell well over 12 million records, and John's incredible command of the six-string bass has really inspired legions of young bass players. Welcome to the show, John. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks very much for uh, having me on. Oh, happy happy that you're uh, able to join us. So, uh, you just got back from tour, correct? Yes, that is correct. Um, you know, we did something like 32 shows in 48 days. Oh wow! So, so the pace, yeah, so the pace was pretty intense. Um, but given the climate um, out there, um, and all things considered, you know, no complaints. Everything went extremely well. That's awesome. That's awesome. I've seen you guys. I've had the pleasure of seeing you guys many, many times live, and uh, blows me away every single time. How did uh, Dream Theater come together? Oh, well, me, myself, and, and John Petrucci, you know, we were very um, active in bands early on in like um, in junior high, high school. Okay. And uh, we went to the same, you know, we went to the same school together, grew up in the same town. And, um, and then it progressed on to Berkeley College of Music where we met Mike Portnoy. And, um, and hit it off really well. Um, it was like the first month there uh, in September of, uh, of 1985. You know, we, we just started um, jamming. And that was something that we just kept that um, Monday through Friday. We'd have um, a room reserved. You could only reserve like two hours per guy. So each guy had to wait in line to kind of sign out a room. So um we would um organize it so that each guy would wake up and at a certain hour and log out two hours and we would always just get this one room called e19 um yeah and that's what we did every day monday through friday you know we we, we just jammed and, and experimented and put songs together uh for six hours a night um, wow and that was pretty much you know the first two some, the, the first two semesters of college um and then during the summer um we were all set to go back and return um but then one thing led to another and we kind of felt really strongly i think it was just sort of like a gut kind of thing where um you know 
what's going on here? You know, do we really want to kind of just pursue the band thing or go back to school? And, and we decided to give the band thing a try. So, um, so we kept the same routine. Um, it just didn't happen at, at college. You know, we, we just, we found a place um, on Long Island um, where we could rehearse every night. And, and we just kept at it. And, uh, and one thing led to another and, you know, little breaks here and there turned into bigger breaks. And, um, so yeah, that's how it started. Did you ever, uh, imagine that it would be, um, because it's been, I mean, quite a long time. So there's some longevity there. Um, when you first started jamming, did you think, oh, that, you know, you'd be where you are now? Um, you know what? It was always just a hope, a dream. You know, it was always just this reality that we kept kind of striving towards. Mm -hmm. um, As a unit or, or was that um, a personal goal and dream that you had as well? Um. Well, they were all personal goals, you know, and, you know, we were just very aligned, you know, we all pretty much wanted um, that to happen. And cool. yeah, so it was, um, you know, a case where, you know, we just kind of started, you know, really, really small. Um, and we just kind of, the plan was to end or to, you know, to just really grow what we had um, musically, you know, to kind of grow musically and to kind of just start from nothing and kind of grow it into something. And, um, and one thing led to another, you know, we, we signed with um, <clears throat> an independent label and and then we had um, a personnel change going into the second album and then we had the right mix of the musical climate, what we were doing musically, you know, we we're working with the right label right producer and then we had um you know tremendous success with with the images of Lawrence album yeah amazing man what did you do before uh the band how did you start your oh, bass uh, journey how did i start um just playing the records really um and just feeling you know just really feeling a need to play you know what inspired you to play bass? Classical violin was like the early part of um, my musical education. When I was uh, five years old, my mom got me into violin and taking private lessons. And I did that for about 10 years. And then, um, and then it started to be part of a band. And I, and I picked up a bass and... Um, and I really, really loved it. You know, it just, something clicked, you know, when, when I was like in junior high school where it was just, became the coolest thing to possibly do. You know, I had like Rush posters and Yes posters, Zeppelin posters hanging up in my room and, and they became my idols, you know, that, that really looked up to them. And, um, you know, I thought to myself, well, you know what? if they could do this for a living, you know, what could possibly be cooler than that, you know? 
it, it, it seemed like the best job in the world. So, so that's where my heart was set at, you know? Amazing. Did you take, um, lessons or were you self-taught? Pretty much self-taught. Okay. Just like playing, you know, playing the records, you know, um, I kind of really feel pretty strongly about teaching yourself. Um, I mean, it's great to have a mentor, mm -hmm. um, someone to look up to, uh, someone to show you things, but ultimately it's you that has to kind of take it in and make sense of it, whether um, it's someone telling you to do this or, or you pick it up yourself by watching someone do something or listening to something. It's, it's the same thing. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, so it's all just kind of information. It just depends on um, where you get it and how you choose to get it. You know, I choose to get it from just kind of listening and tapping into records. Now, was there a, a particular bassist that you saw, you know, when you started playing that you just thought, oh, that's, I, I, I want to do that. I want to be that, or I want to be like that, or this, this particular player is really inspiring me. <clears throat> well, I'd have to say, um, like three or four bands that were like the biggest part of my life growing up was like Rush, Black Sabbath, yes. Yeah, awesome. And, and, um, and, and Iron Maiden, you know, I just, um, I, I always thought that, that they were like, in, in my book, just kind of like the best bands, you know. And, and they still are to me. Um, but, you know, obviously, um, you know, I listen to a lot more than that now. Um, who's inspiring you now? Who's inspiring me now? Um, you know what? I'm really sort of inspired more by like, not so much by like a particular person anymore, but um, but I'll listen to like music and I'll try to kind of tap into what's going on on, on like a chemistry level. Okay. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's certain bands that have done really great things, certain pop bands, um, certain metal bands, you know, that, that, have been, that are huge, Metallica, um, uh, and on total other side of the spectrum, you know, a lot more like alternative stuff, like Def Cat for Cutie, oh, very um, cool. and, and even pop stuff like Coldplay, um, it just... You know, just tones that they get the quality production, um, and 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 for me, what I've really grown to appreciate is, is sort of just the creative um, creativity that kind of goes into songwriting, or more so than just sort of based around one instrument. You know, just sort of the whole package. You know, how everything is, um, the message, the vibe, everything. Um, that's sort of where my head is at right now. What inspired you to uh, pick up the six string bass? Um, I just felt the need to grow. You know, I felt like four just wasn't um, cutting it anymore. Okay. And um, did you go from four to six, or did you did you pick up a five as well? No, I went from four to six. Mm. Um, only because it just felt right. Like to me, I always saw the middle four strings as just the four string anyway. 
Got it. So, um, so it, so I played it that way for a while, and then I realized, wow, you could expand. You have a higher C, you have a lower B, and um, it just, it just seemed to have, um, it, it seemed to just be a little bit more musical, at least for my needs and for covering um, unison lines and things that go on within the band that sort of extend beyond the reach of of a, of a regular four string. So rather than have it having to like compensate and backtrack and um and adjust for the lack of range um it just felt natural to go to a six string right on right on do you play strictly six now or do you ever go back and play four or five or even i do 12 string? I, no no <laughs> no I, I do go back um i have i have a four string i have a five string um it's really kind of cool to go back because it, it sort of reminds me of the way I used to play um, early on. You know, uh, I realized that there's a certain uh, sense of freedom or certain energy because of the wider spacing of the strings. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, it, it, it's sort of like um, it's sort of like a release when you step away from the six string you go back but then i always wind up going back to a six and um well, only because uh you kind of have to work a little harder to get more out of it but to me playing six is well worth the the effort so so um so that's sort of uh that that feels right to me you know, I, I like the effort that has to go into something because I find that I get a little bit more out of it that way. Right on. Well, you do it well. That's for sure. Uh, do you play any other instruments aside from um, violin and bass? Um, I have other instruments. Um, you know, I have a guitar, I have a keyboard, I have all that stuff. Um, but... You know, there's only so much time in a day, you know. You know, I had great aspirations of like, I'm going to buy this stuff and I'm, and I'm going to play it. But you know what? It's just, it's sort of just kind of collecting dust at the moment. <laughs> uh, um, I'm, I'm kind of just sticking with, um, with what I do and tr trying to direct things from that, from that vantage point. But when you're in a band, I, I think it's sort of, um, a practical way to kind of approach things. I think I can get a lot more done that way. Um, because uh, if you can get your point across to the other players, you know, um, that, you know, that that's where the chemistry and that's where you're in a band. That's why, you know, that that's the whole point of, of working with other people. Right. Have you ever done, do you have uh, any solo music? out or are you, do you ever plan on doing anything like that well i have done these recording sessions at my house um with ty taper and, and rod morkenstein and, and we call ourselves the jelly jam nice that's awesome and, is, it, um, is it released yeah yeah the, the last one came out you know a handful of years ago it's called the, the album's called the prophet uh actually it's just called prophet there's no the um that was the last thing we did and probably the best thing we've done so far. If our schedules work out, you know, we'll get together and we'll write some stuff. And um, 
you know, and just just kind of do like a whole different um, a whole different sort of musical mindset, sort sort of a break from what I normally do. Very cool. That's that uh, must be a good release, being able to just create some different vibes and and play with some different musicians. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, it, it's good because it sort of gets me thinking and gets me to be a little bit more hands-on with the gear um, and uh, and just with how that whole thing works um, as far as getting like the recording side done, um, which is uh, an adventure, you know, working with gear, spending time with it, you know, it takes a really long time to kind of find what it is that you like and what it does um, and, and to kind of um, get it to all work for you. Yeah, I, I totally get that. What is your, um, how does your writing process differ maybe from one project to another? Well, the nature of the ideas are different, um, but the process is the same. You know, we, we're, we're trying to make sense of an idea that, something, that someone came up with that we all like um, so it's like, you know, that it always starts with one part, but you don't know which part, like if, if, if it was like a handful of letters, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, um, sometimes the part that the person comes with, up with is like the C or sometimes it's the A, you know, and, and, and then we have to kind of fill in, um, what the other parts are to kind of make it complete. So, so that's, so that's really interesting. You know, that that's the creative challenge of, of making it work. And that's the part of, you know, creating music where anything could happen, you know, that, that sort of open void where anything could happen, you know, somebody could say something or do something, or you could hear something and, um, and then it'll, it'll change course and then it'll shape. So, so that's like, the unexpectedness of of creating, you know, where you don't really know what's going to happen until it's done. That's a very beautiful thing. I love that feeling. Um, seeing you guys play so many times and and having you guys records, some of your songs have so many different um, parts, and the the I just your memory must be tremendous. <laughs> <laughs> to to play uh, what is your longest what is the longest song because uh i think a few of them were like seven ten minutes right right well the the longest songs are definitely the epics they tend to be the 20 minute songs wow yeah like there's um an epic on the new album uh called the view from the top of the world it's a title of the album as well yeah, that's uh, that's like a twenty-minute song. Your endurance uh, is insane. I mean, that's got to be because you're moving. I mean, I seeing you play. You know, you you do you do a lot of the three finger um, technique stuff, right? Yes, um, only because it's easier to play when when you have to play a lot of notes. Yeah. Um, uh, but but it changes. You know, it really it really sort of depends on um 
what can what condition my hands are in and, uh. and the nature of the part and how I want the sound because when when you're a fingerstyle player, it's a really sort of dynamic interface in, in terms of you know what spot of the string you tend to hit, how you hit it, um, you know the the level of dynamics there and, and how your bass will respond. Um, it's like night and day, you know. So right um so it's just expression you know you, you find the you know you, you develop a way to kind of get get the note off um in the most appropriate way depending on um what it is you're playing how were you able to and how long um did it take for you to develop your voice on the bass it's a lifetime thing it's it's still going you know i'm still developing you know, I, I think early on, you know, I, I think when when you decide to kind of be in the band, play music and stuff, it's sort of like there's just something in you that is, you know, there's like an inner kind of like fire or light, whatever you want to call it, you know, and you're kind of just always reaching for it, you know. <clears throat> so that's sort of, uh, you know, the, the love of what you have for what you do. But, but as far as like style and all that, and you know, that's constantly changing because I think as you get older, you kind of appreciate things, maybe you appreciate things more. Um, you find out about more, um, and you have different things to, to express and play. So, and you also have um, better gear, you know, like I couldn't be happier with, um, with my current uh, music, Ernie Ball Music Man signature on the six string. Um, Amazing. Let's it, talk a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, it, it's in a really, it's a really amazing bass that um, I have it dialed in now. Um, and, and there's a really cool um, thing that goes on live that I've kind of discovered um, on this first leg that we've done is um, normally when I have like a factory setup, I tend to kind of raise the action a bit. Uh -huh. um, but this was actually the first time uh, that I didn't really have to do that so much because, because I felt like the bass kind of really resonated uh, at factory setting with low action. Um, and, and a lot of that had to do, I think, with... Um, just the overall tension of the strings. Okay. Um, and, and there's a really cool thing that um, that we kind of that that we employed on the fretboard, where it's it's a two tone neck, um, comprised of um, roasted maple and, and uh, on one side of the neck, and then the other side has on on the lower frequencies we have um, uh, a rosewood fretboard. So it's a blend of of rosewood. And roasted maple on the fretboards, and that really sort of provides um, this sort of tension, um, but the right sort of tension where I'm able to play with the pretty low action and not complain about it, where it's not sort of resonating because that's always been my problem in the past is what the action would be low, but when it's too low, that there's like an amplitude problem with the string where it's not resonating now, so then it's not. You know, you hit a note, but it's not really making any sound. So, um, 
So that's one thing that I discovered. Is that just was that was that by accident or in just sort of trial and error? No, no, that was by accident. I mean, I'm like always discovering things, and that's like one of the things that I discovered. Okay, got it. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's a so it's a, yeah, it's a real, um, and that's your signature model, right? But yes, that's correct. Very cool, very cool. How long has that been out? It's been out for about two years now. You know, I couldn't be happier. You know, and um, you know, during um, you know, the, the the two years where everything kind of slowed down. You know, it, it gave me time to kind of do a couple of other things. You know, I've been working with um, Ashdown Engineering, okay. uh, the yeah. base, the base hemp company, uh-huh. and um, and uh, we have a, a really cool dis- uh, distortion pedal coming out called the JM Double Drive. Okay, and, um Yeah, and and this is really really awesome because I find it to be uh, really musical as as well because of. Um, the uh the, the nature of the drives between drive one and two there's two separate drives um where like drive one is really good for um bringing out bass harmonics okay and and drive two is really good for kind of giving it that sort of um that sort of distorted presence without it uh without it really getting in the way because a lot of times i'll have a, a pedal where it's cool as long as you're playing, but when you stop playing, it gets to be too noisy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> sure. Where this sort of it doesn't do that, so um, so I thought that was really. Uh, Are they more really of um, more of a fuzz oriented or overdrive or? No, it's not really fuzzy. Uh, okay. It's more of an overdrive. Okay. Yeah, it's um. What's yeah, that that's called? Be coming out. What is it called it's again? Good. It's called. It's called the JM Double Drive, and, and I think they're going to be uh, launching it this year. So, so maybe I don't know. Maybe I, I know that a couple of uh, magazines have done some reviews on it, like Guitar World. Um, but uh, I, I believe uh, everything's been delayed. But but hopefully, um, hopefully by. Uh, by like the NAMM show this year, which I think is in June. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, uh, we'll we'll, ha- we'll have it available then. That's exciting, dude. What yeah, your- that and uh, go ahead. And also, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm also working on um, uh, a combo amp with them as well, based on like a 15 inch speaker. Ah. Anything, any special sauce on that that you want to talk about? Um, well, it's good. It's that classic, you know, thing that Ashdown amps do that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in the past, when I've used Ashdown stuff, it's always been based on like a 410 cabinet um, with, where I kind of I realized during the break that, you know, um, if I were to put a mic in front of any sort of speaker, you know, whether it be a 10, 12, 15, 18, um, I think that the the speaker that sort of captures what I do best would be a 15. Okay. So, um, Why? Yeah, so, so that's, I don't know. Because um, 
because uh, because of the finger because of because I use my fingers, you know, this certain attack and style and stuff really lends itself to just um, how a 15 inch speaker brings that out. You know, it just sounds yeah. the most musical, you know, okay. um, it seems like it sort of captures the best elements and it kind of, and it, and it brings it forward. So that'll be a combo. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm really psyched about that because, um, I don't know. I I started out playing bass with a combo, you know. Yeah. How many so, watts? So, so I, um, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. It'll probably be around three or four hundred, I think. Oh, nice. So um, it's got it's got some power. Yeah. Um. But it, you know. But but the um but but it's going to be something that um. You know, I'm going to be planning, you know, I'm planning on taking it on the road with me as well. So, Oh, right on. Right on. So, so, so it's going to be part of the overall sound as, as well. So, um, usually, you know, my gear is, you know, I have a set of gear that, that I tour with and then I have a set of gear that I use at home. So I'm, I'm trying to bridge that gap where, um, where, you know, everything that I use on a tour, I have at home as well. I get that. That's really cool. Very cool. What was your first bass? Uh, a Rickenbacker, you know. Uh, the, the first real sort of expensive kind of bass that I bought was a Rickenbacker, you know. Um, nice. But the real, real first bass was sort of like the bass that I got from the flea market. I think it was called a Mako bass. Okay. Yeah, but when, you know, when I, but, but, but when I got serious and I wanted to buy something really nice for myself, you know, the, the Rickenbacker, I believe... Uh, I don't, I'm not too sure. I think it was the 4003 actually that that I wound up playing, and then um, and then the you know that was the start of my experimentation, you know. Then uh, and then I started playing jazz basses, and ah, I moved on yeah. to six strings, and you know I love them all. Um, <clears throat> but the cool thing about what I have now is. Um, it, it's sort of a combination of like a key bass and a jazz bass, depending depending on how I'm playing it. So it's sort of, sort of in that same ballpark there, sound wise, sonically. Okay, is that a double humbucker? The yes, it is. yes, okay. yes, it's a double humbucker. Very cool. What about strings? I use uh, Ernie Ball Cobalts. Okay. Uh, they're um, really the best strings I've, I've ever played um, only because, you know, they're really easy on my hands. Um, I find that, uh, you know, if you don't really have calluses in your hands, it gets to get chewed up after a while. Um, yeah. But, but there's something about these that um, uh, it's really, really comfortable. It's, it, it's more of like a classical string. It feels like, um, and it feels like in terms of, um, you know, playing, it seems to be better gear for, um, for, for a finger stop playing, at least for me, it is. Are you, do you, uh, would you say that your touch is on the lighter side or are you kind of heavy handed when you're playing? 
Um, no, I'm definitely heavy handed. I definitely play hard um, live. Yeah. You know, um, that's probably why my hands hurt the next day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have the same problem. You know, I have the same problem. You know, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, I mean, you know what? You just, when you play live, um, you know, I mean, you, you could be at home playing. And it's, you can't even come close to what you're playing will be once you're up on stage in front of people. It's like you just turn into a different person. Um, and the, the sense of what you're reaching for tonally is different too. And also the fight is different too. You know, you're, you're like, you're up on stage and, and it's this big sort of field of energy, right? With, between the sound system and the crowd and everything that's happening, you know, sometimes it's up to like under the stage. So, I mean, th those are like elements, you know, or headwinds that you have that you don't have when you're playing at home, which is probably why, you know. So, so it's a lot harder to kind of cut through all that when you're playing live, um, that, which is another reason why that happens. For sure, for sure. Hey, you guys, I mean, I'm sure, you know, how long are your shows typically? We do it, um, we, you know, we, we were doing like three hour shows wow. for the longest time, but, um, but, um, on this, uh, on this particular, uh, tour for, for the new album, uh, in support of A View from the Top of the World, we're only doing two hours. That's still a hefty show. <laughs> That's it, awesome. It, it, it is. Yeah, no, you know what? Actually, two hours is is really perfect. You know, we had we've had an opening band out with us, um, so it seems to be kind of the right balance to, to have an opening act and and to kind of and follow up with a two hour set. Right on. What challenges you musically? To kind of just come up with something that I'm that I'm happy with that I'd want to hear back over and over again. You know, something that sort of kind of resonates, um, you know, personally, you know, something that you think is really good. Um, and to get that into a song, that's what motivates me to kind of play. And, and, and I mean, that's the goal anyway. You know, yeah. the goal is to kind of create as many ideas as possible because, you know, only, only one or two will, will actually make it through onto the album. Um, but that's part of the process, you know, I mean, I just do the best you can record and uh, what you feel are the best ideas and, and eventually a few of them cut through. Right on. So being in a band situation for so long, how do you deal with challenging situations or personalities in music? You mean, mean like ups and downs and, and uh in a band's career kind of a thing or i mean maybe yeah that but maybe personally as well because you know as as we know being on tour is not always <laughs> roses you know what i mean you're you're together quite often in close quarters and um, maybe sometimes seeing band members more than you're seeing your own uh family 
So how do you deal with those types of situations where maybe, you know, you've been out for three months and you're ready to go home and uh, right. the coffee shop is closed? Well, <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you know, as far as, um, as far as like us all getting along, getting along and stuff, I mean, we know who we are and, we all kind of just know when to give each other space. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's part of it too. You know, you can't have one without the other, you know, um, nothing, nothing is by itself, right. There's always a counterpoint. There's always a counterpart to something, you know, so, um, You know, if there are issues and stuff or difficulties and stuff, you know, there's, there's a time and place to kind of handle and deal with those things. Um, but I think the important thing in, in band staying together is realizing, okay, if there are differences or whatever, you know, um, we have to kind of keep that in check and realize the most important thing is is the music and that's kind of keeping this going and, and um, let's, let's make sure that that, you know, doesn't get compromised in any way. So, so I think, I think that's the case, you know, if you're going to be in this business and be successful, you know, you kind of have to have that attitude. Great, great advice on that. Um, tell us something about you as a musician that uh, most people wouldn't know. Most people wouldn't know. Well, I try to get out, get out on the golf course when I can, but. What? Um, nice. Yeah, I, I, I like I like playing golf when I can. Um, n- normally, you know, uh, on, on prior album tours, you know, well, uh, you know, there's a um, there's a group of us between band, band and crew. We'll, we'll go out and um, and we'll play golf uh, on days off. Field trip. Um, yeah, in, in some pretty unique places, you know. Um, uh, it's, it's a great way to kind of get a different side of the city. I remember uh, playing golf in um, in Dubai at oh. like eleven o'clock at, at eleven o'clock at night. It was like night golf, you know. That's crazy. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, and and it's like ninety three plus degrees out still, you know. Um. So um, and then you know. Other places, you know, playing courses like on the West Coast, California, beautiful, San Francisco. Um, so that's like the ultimate way to kind of get away from the noise and the smoke and and uh, the intensity of, uh, of of touring. It's, it's a nice break. It's hard to do. It's hard to. It, it it was hard to do that on this run for me though because, uh, you know, we were um, apart from make you know. We, Apart from like being inactive for two years, you know, um, when we went back out again, we kind of just went kind of straight into it. And, um, and like for the first time in a long time, my hands were just really kind of uh, telling me like, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> um, it, yeah. I was yeah. like really out of shape without really even knowing about it. I didn't realize how far, um, the conditioning level of my hands had gone down did as you, a result of having 
that break, you know, not not having played a live show in two years, you know, that's yeah. that's sort of what it did to me. Do you think that your perspective changed at all um, having that break for two years on just, you know, well, I know it did for me, life in general, but um, definitely, you know, within touring in the music business because it was all there and all of a sudden it just came to a halt for a little while. Yeah, um, <clears throat> for sure. I mean, the most important thing is your health you know um, absolutely you, you you lose that you lose everything you know so um it's really been a focus on that you know staying healthy um so that you can't keep doing what you do right. um yeah you know it's really the most important thing you know um just just a real sort of wake up call to, to realize, you know, um, how short life really is, you know, you only have so much time to do what it is that you want to do. Um, uh, yeah. <clears throat> and, and your health makes all that possible. So, um, yeah, so that's definitely been, uh, a main part of my focus, you know, is to kind of yeah to stay strong to do everything I can to learn more about nutrition and and how to stay strong you know excellent what uh, what do you practice now after all these years well the big thing now is kind of just playing to uh, drink theater music I mean uh, well, I mean that's definitely a workout. <laughs> You, you know what? This, we have so much material now that um, I, I try to I try to stay on top of it, you know, and um, and the, and to try to stay in tune with it. But but now it's to the point where the, the you know the volume of music is so much that there's really no way I could really have everything memorized. Um, so so it's more about just focusing on a certain period um, of time and, and sort of kind of going back to that period or um, or it evolves around, you know, a current set list that I have to prepare. Um, and, and even that, that is a challenge because um, what I realized is there's certain things that I play in an album and then certain things that I'll do live that isn't on the album. So I've been trying to kind of be a little bit more um, classically minded, where I'm trying to recreate the record more. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah. So what what's helped me out is I'll sort of write things out. Um, there, there's a cool app called um, <clears throat> for Score. It's cool uh, iOS app. Okay. Um, what is it? What is it called? Yeah, the, the uh, for Score. F O R E S C O R E. Cool. Actually, I don't think there is any. It's just F O R S E O R E. Yeah, uh, that that's been a godsend. Um, it's enabled me to sort of uh, make notes and write things out within the context of a set. So um, th that sort of is sort of like a map for me is to stay sort of closer to what it is that I want to do. Um, 
in terms of uh, recreating what I did on a, on a certain song on a certain album. So what uh, do you have any advice for young players out there? Stay, stay true to, to, to what, what it is that you like um, and, and to kind of understand what that is and, and to kind of grow it from, from that point and to uh put your time in and 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 to um make the investment in good gear too you know good gear good gear good equipment makes um a huge difference in in my life um i'm still i'm still kind of figuring out new things um and bringing out new things on the road and, and and testing them out and uh, to see if they work or not, you know, to, and to always have that bit of experimentation too. Um, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, I think the newest element that I've added <clears throat> in my bass rig this time out was um, yeah, I've been using a lot of like studio uh, studio APIs. Okay. I've been using uh, a lot of stuff by um, Rupert Neve. He has an amazing preamp, amazing EQ, and amazing uh, compressor that I've been using. Uh, Out on, on the road? Yeah, on the road, um, in conjunction with everything else that I have. Very and cool. uh, the, the one element that, that has struck me while being up on stage was that you know, there, there was something about it where it actually felt good. I said, well, if it feels good to me, that means it feels good out there. You know, it's like a relative experience, you know, so mm -hmm. it all kind of starts with um, with what you're doing um, on the stage level. So, um, totally get yeah. that. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's, it's an adventure and it's, an, and it's an investment. Who would you like to work with in the future? I'm working with those people now. Okay. You know. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah, I think. That's cool. A band musically is is a reflection of the chemistry of of a certain group of people, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and that bond is there with or without the instruments, you know. Right. Well, man, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, I really appreciate you doing this and and taking the time. Okay, sounds good. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening into the Bass Freaks podcast. Stay healthy, spread love, spread joy, kindness, good vibes, and inspiration. And remember, you got this. Follow your path, whatever it may be, and just play. Until next time, cheers. And a huge thank you to Dunlop for making this show possible. Make sure you check out Bass Freaks wherever you get your podcasts.